Hello, this is Matt Hesser with Dimensional Nomad Games, and welcome to Magic Adventures in Friday Night Magic Commander, Episode 3. We're talking about the games that took place at the Zeus and Apollo's local game store in Pocatello, Idaho, taking place on July 28, 2017. There's actually a lot more people than normal this time. I managed to bring with me uh, three additional players. They were a little bit new to Commander, not necessarily new to Magic, but they had only been playing Commander for a little while. I wanted to introduce them. Uh, one even actually borrowed one of my decks. It's my... He's related to me somehow. It's like my wife's cousin's daughter's fiance. Interesting relationship. Good kid. It was nice to bring him, um, my nephew, my cousin-in-law, um, and everyone else who was at the game. We had a great time. So let's go ahead and go into the game. We're going to talk about you know, the various commanders that we had there. We had a lot of commanders. There were actually um, three separate the Scarab God players. So that was fun. That's why you see Scarab God twice here on the list for those watching on YouTube and you'll hear me talking about it um, so let's just go ahead and go through the commanders that we saw there that night we had Marath Will of the Wild for red green white you get a 0-0 legendary elemental beast Marath of the Wild enters the battlefield with a number of plus one plus one counters on it equal to the amount of mana spent to cast it pay X remove X plus one plus one counters from Marath choose one put X plus one plus one counters on target creature or Marath deals X damage to target creature or player or put an XX green elemental creature token onto the battlefield. Then we had Marin of Clan Neltoth to a black and a green for a 3-4 legendary human shaman. Whenever another creature you control dies you get an experience counter. At the beginning of your end step choose target creature card in your graveyard. If that card's converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of experience counters you have, return it to the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Then we had Carador, Ghost Chieftain, 5, a black, green, and white for a 3-4 legendary centaur spirit. Carador, Ghost Chieftain costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. During each of your turns, you may cast one creature card from your graveyard. Then we had General Tazri, 4 and a white for a 3-4 legendary human ally. When General Tazri enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an ally creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Then for one of each color, ally creatures you control get plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of colors among those creatures. <clears throat> then we have Erebos, God of the Dead. For 3 and a black, you get a 5-7 legendary enchantment god who's indestructible, and as long as your devotion to black is less than five, Erebos is in a creature. Opponents can't gain life, and pay one in a black and two life to draw a card. Sharum the Hegemon, three, a white, blue, and black, for a 5-5 five, five legendary artifact Sphinx. With flying, and when Sharum the Hegemon enters the battlefield, you may return target artifact from your graveyard to the battlefield. Then, of course, as I said, we had three the Scarab God players, Three, a blue and a black for a 5-5 five, five legendary god. So this is the one from the Hour of Devastation. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. Then two, blue, black, exile target creature from a graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it, except that it's a 4-4 four, four black zombie. When the Scarab God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. It's pretty nice. 
Then we had Sachi, daughter of Seshiro, for two green green. You get a 1-3 legendary snake shaman that says other snakes you control get plus zero plus one. And shamans you control have tap, add two green to your mana pool. Animar, Soul of Elements, that's the one I was playing. For a blue, red, and green, you get a 1-1 legendary elemental with protection from white and from black. Whenever you cast a creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Animar, Soul of Elements. And creature spells you cast cost one less to cast for each plus one plus one counter on Animar. Voral of the Hull Clade, one a green and a blue for a 1-4 legendary human merfolk. For a green and a blue, tap double the number of each kind of counter on target artifact, creature, or land. And we had Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, for a red and two white, for a 5-5 legendary angel, with flying and first strike, and then if a source would deal damage to an opponent, or permanent and opponent controls, that source deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. And if a source would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent half that damage, round it up. <clears throat> Send triplets, two white, blue, black, for a 3-3 legendary artifact human wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. This turn, that player can't play spells or activate abilities and plays with his or her hand revealed. You can play cards from that player's hand this turn. Atraxa, Praetor's Voice. Green, white, blue, black for a 4-4 Legendary Angel Horror with Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink, and at the beginning of your end step, Proliferate. Tauriel, Reckoner of Souls. Four, a white, black, and red for a 4-7 Legendary Angel with Flying and Vigilance, and Tap. Choose a creature card at random from target opponent's graveyard. Put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Yidjus, Maelstrom, Wielder. This is the one that I loaned to uh, my soon-to-be relative. For blue, black, red, green, you get a 5-4 legendary ogre wizard with trample, and whenever Yidris Maelstrom Wielder deals combat damage to a player, as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. And then, of course, Scarab God and another Scarab God. So those are all the decks we were playing. There were 17 people playing. Um, it was a lot of fun. means we... Got to get a whole bunch of games in. We went three rounds. And so what I'll do is I'm going to go ahead and list the pairings for each round. Um, then I'll talk about my games. And um, at the end of my games, I'll tell you who won each round. So I'll list the pairings. You try and figure out who won from that pairing. And then at the end of my game, I'll announce who won each of the pairings um, for each round. All right. So round one. We had Gisela Blade of Gold Knight versus Animar Soul of Elements versus Voral of the Hulk Clade versus Send Triplets. That's the game that I was actually uh, involved with, and that's the one that I'll be commenting on. And then the other three games were Shroom the Hegemon versus Atraxa Praetor's Voice versus Erebos God of the Dead versus General Tazri versus Teriel Reckoner of Souls. So between those five, go ahead and figure out who you think won, and then we'll reveal that at the end of this round. Then the other pairing was the Scarab God, Marin of Clan Neltoth, Carador Ghost Chieftain, and Marath, Will of the Wild. And then for the fourth pod, we had Sachi, Daughter of Seshiro, Yidris, Milsim Wielder, the Scarab God, and another Scarab God. So, let's go ahead and go to my game. So, first turn, pretty simple. Everyone just played a land. Turn two, 
the only one who played anything was our um, Voro player who played the Channeler Initiate. Then on turn three, Voro player played Voro. I played Animar, and then the Gisela player played the Avon Mind Sensor. Now last week, um, he played the exact same thing against me, uh, only I was playing Captain Sisse. So this week, I was playing Animar, do a lot less searching. Um, so it wasn't as as bad for me. Although, my next turn, as we move into turn four, is when it turned into something a little bit more annoying. So... The Voro player played Unexpected Results. Now, Unexpected Results uh, is two, a green and a blue for a sorcery that says Shuffle Your Library, then reveal the top card. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If it is a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield, then return Unexpected Results to your, its owner's hand. Now, the card that he flipped was Inspiring Call. Um, for two and a green, you get an instant that says draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Those creatures gain indestructible at the end of the turn. Unfortunately, all he had in play, if you remember, was the Channeler Initiate, which comes into play with three negative one negative one counters, and Voral of the Hulkclade, who doesn't come into play with any counters, and instead doubles counters. So neither of those did him any good. So unfortunately, his spell was a whiff. I then, of course, played Burnished Heart, which is three for a 2-2 two -two artifact elk that says pay three, sacrifice it, search your library for up to two basic lands, put them onto the battlefield tapped, and shuffle your library. So, obviously, with the Avon Mind Sensor out, I wasn't going to be playing that. The Gisela player then played Glory of Warfare, and that ended turn four. Now, we move into turn five. The Voro player plays the Spike Colony, um, and unfortunately, during this entire time, our send triplets player uh, hasn't really done much because it's now turn five. He's still stuck at three lands, so he hasn't played anything yet, and I felt really bad for him, but uh, not enough to not play things. So it was my turn. Uh, Animar has one plus one plus one counter on him at this point, so I played a Peregrine Drake for four instead of five. Peregrine Drake is four and a blue for a two-three Drake with flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you untapped up to five lands. So I tapped all five of my lands, only used four of it, untapped all of them, so I still had a floating mana. And now my creatures cost two less. So then I played a Vestman Doppelganger for three, untapped five lands. Wait, three? Yeah, for three, untapped five lands, and now I've got three floating. Um, and now my creatures cost four less. So, between the floating mana, the mana I had in play, and the cheaper creatures, the Bogard, I then was able to play a Bogarden Hellkite. Bogarden Hellkite is 6 and 2 red for a 5-5 five, five dragon with flash and flying, and when it enters the battlefield, divvy up 5 damage any way you want. Oh, also, the Vestman Doppelganger is just a clone. Um, the nice thing is that you can change it once it's in play every upkeep. Not that I ever bother, but anyway. So, Bogarden Hellkite uh, came into play. I used... Some of the damage to I use three of the damage to kill the Avon Mind Sensor, uh, and then I use two of the damage to try and kill the Chandler Initiate from earlier. But then he just removed the negative encounter on it to let it survive. Uh, the Zella player responded by then pathing um, my Garden Hellkite and then playing a Sky Knight Legionnaire, which is a two-two flying with haste for one a red and a white. 
Path to Exile, by the way, is one white for an instant that says Exile Target Creature. If controller may search his or her library for a basic land card, put that card onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle their library. Anyway, so he played the Legionnaire, killed my flyer, and then he's got Glory of Warfare, which makes it a 4-2 flying. So he went ahead and attacked. Uh, but he didn't attack me, he attacked the poor Marin, uh, Send Triplets player who wasn't doing anything. Alright, so, and then the Spike Colony, which I forgot to mention. It's four and a green for a 0-0 Spike that enters the battlefield with four plus and plus encounters on it. Then you can pay two to remove a plus and plus encounter on it to put a plus and plus encounter on target creature. And it's really good for Voro because it's four plus and plus encounters and you can immediately double it to eight. Alright, so moving on to turn six, the Voro player plays... A Pyramid of the Pantheon, which is one for an artifact that says pay two, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, then add a brick counter to the pyramid, and then tap, add three mana of any one color to your mana pool if you have three or more brick counters. So that's nice. It's basically a charging uh, Gilded Lotus. Uh, he then also played a Seer's Lantern, for which is an artifact for three that taps for a colorless mana, or you can pay two to tap to scry one. Uh, our Sun Triplets player finally got his fourth land on turn six. That let him play a Chronozoa. Chronozoa is three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three creature illusion with flying and vanishing three. And then Chronozoa is put into a graveyard from play uh, if it had no time counters on it. Put two tokens into play that are copies of it. So if it dies, if it has the vanishing, then it uh, copies itself, so it makes two copies. So that's pretty cool. And then, of course, we moved to my turn, where I played a whole bunch of stuff. I played a Vizier of the Menagerie, which is three and a green, for a 3-4 Naga Cleric that says, you may look at the top card of your library, you may cast the top card of your library if it is a creature card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast creature spells. So that only cost me one green because of Animar. I then cloned the Peregrine Drake to untap five lands, so I paid one mana to get five mana. I then cast Thunderfoot Bayloth for four and a gr two green. I get a 5-5 five, five Beast with Trample and Lieutenant, which is as long as you control your commander, Thunderfoot Bayloth gets plus two, plus two, and other creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have Trample. I then played Conduit of Ruin for free, because at this point I already had six or more counters on Anabar. Conduit of Ruin is six mana for a 5-5 five, five Eldrazi. It says when you cast Conduit of Ruin, you may search your library for a colorless creature card with converted mana cost seven or greater, Reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. Um, the first creature spell you cast each turn costs two less to cast. Then uh, Sandstone Oracle costs is an artifact creature for seven for a 4-4 flying that says when Sandstone Oracle enters the battlefield, choose an opponent. If that player has more cards in hand than you, draw cards equal to the difference. Um, the Marin player had hardly been playing anything. I only had one card in hand. He had six, so I drew five cards. One of which was Void Winner. Now, Void Winner costs 9 for an 11-9 creature Eldrazi. It says, your opponent can't cast spells with even converted mana costs. And opponents can't block with creatures with even converted mana costs. What's nice is that includes tokens. Tokens have a 0 mana cost. 0 is even. So, tokens can't block at all. Uh, and even custom cost spells... Uh, it stops a lot of things. Mostly I played to stop Cyclonic Rift because Cyclonic Rift costs one to blue and says uh, return 
target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand, or you can overload it for six in a blue to return each non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. But it still has a converted mana cost of two. Now, uh, I decided to pass because I didn't have any haste at this point. I've got a really nice board, though. Uh, we go back to the Voro player. He played a Simic Manipulator, which is one, a blue and a blue for a zero, one mutant wizard with Evolve. Evolve is a mechanic that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your, uh, your control, if it is a greater power or toughness than this creature, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. Then it has tap, remove one or more plus one plus one counters from Simic Manipulator, gain control of target creature with power less than or equal to. Um, to the number of plus plus counters removed this way. That's really nice with Voro because once you've got a bunch of counters on it, you can double them, double them, double them, and let you take control of a lot of different creatures. Um, Send triplets, unfortunately, had no response. I then played a duplicant, which is six mana for a 2 4 artifact shapeshifter with imprint. When duplicant enters the battlefield, uh, you may remove target creature from the game. And as long as the creature card is imprinted on duplicate, duplicate is uh, has that card's power, toughness, and creature types. It's still a shapeshifter. I used that to get rid of the spike colony that he played a couple of turns ago. Uh, unfortunately, it turned my guy into a 0-0, zero, zero, which is fine. Mostly, I just used it to kill his creature. I then played Paleolith, which is 4 and 2 green for a 5-5 five, five beast. Whenever another creature with power 5 or greater comes into play under your control... You may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Alright. And then finally, we moved on to turn 8. Uh, this is the turn that I decided to win. So first I had to play Bane of Progress. Now Bane of Progress is 4 and 2 green for a 2-2 elemental. When Bane of Progress enters the battlefield, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on Bane of Progress for each permanent destroyed this way. Now what... The reason I needed to do this was so that I could kill my Sandstone Oracle. Sandstone Oracle was the one that let me draw cards equal to the difference in my size versus an opponent hand size. I then played Words of Win, which is two and a blue for an enchantment that says, pay one. The next time you would draw a card this turn, each player returns a permanent he or she controls to its owner's hand instead. So I can use a card draw to have everyone bounce a permanent. I then played Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, which is 11 mana for a 10-10 Legendary Adrazi. Uh, when you cast Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, destroy target permanent. It is indestructible, Annihilator 4, and when Ulamog is put into a graveyard from anywhere, uh, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into their library. Uh, the important thing is that it triggered the Paleoth, which returned the Sandstone Oracle back to my hand. I was then able to cast the Sandstone Oracle, Draw cards equal to the difference between my hand and somebody else's hand, and I use that to bounce the Oracle back to my hand and the Paragon Drake that I had played earlier. Remember, Paragon Drake is four and a blue um, that, when it comes into play, untaps five lands. And then, at this point, Sandstone Oracle costs me zero. So I'm paying one blue to get five mana, so I'm ending up with a net of four. Then I play the Sandstone Oracle... Uh, I'm drawing at this point four cards. I pay two mana out of my four extra to have everyone bounce two permanents, and I bounce the Sandstone Oracle and the Paragon Drake back to my hand. So I'm drawing. So the net result is I'm getting two extra mana 
drawing two extra cards, and everyone's bouncing two permanents. I do this over and over and over until I have a whole bunch of stuff uh, in play. I'm play. I then was able to cast Maelstrom Wanderer, which is five blue, red, and green for a seven-five legendary elemental that says creatures you control have haste, and he has Cascade and Cascade. At this point, I had pretty much put my entire library into play. I had as much mana as I needed. Uh, no one else had any non-land permanents in play. Actually, no, it's not non-land permanents, it's just permanents. So no one else had stuff in play except for me. So I, that was the end of game one. Um, <clears throat> so for the first pairing, Animar wins. So then we had the other three pods. Do you guys remember who won? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Sharoom won. Marin won, and one of the three Scarab Gods players win. So, for those of you who guessed those were the winners, good job. Alright, so let's go ahead and go on to round two. So, the pairings were the Scarab God, Animar Soul of Elements, Shurum the Hegemon, and Marin of Clan Neltoth. Those are the four winners from round one, so they, we all got paired together. The other pairing was two Scarab Gods again. Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, Erebos, God of the Dead. So go ahead and think who you think is going to win this, and then at the end of the round, I'll tell you who won. Then uh, the next group was Marath, Will of the Wilds, Sen Triplets, Sachi, Daughter of Seshiro, Atraxa, Praetor's Voice, and General Tazri. That was the third pod. And then finally, in the last pod, we had Carador, Ghost Chieftain, Voral of the Hallclade, Yidris, Maelstrom Wielder, and... Terrell, Reckoner of Souls. So that's our four pods. Keep in mind who you think won, and we will find out at the end of the round. All right, so let's get into the game. So first turn, all I got to do is play a land. Our Marin player played a Soul Ring, of course. No, wait, I lied. The Scarab God player played the Soul Ring. The Marin player played a Diligent Farmhand. Uh, diligent Farmhand is one green for a 1-1 one, one Druid that has one to green, sacrifice Diligent Farmhand, search your library for a basic land card, and put that card into play tap, then shuffle your library. And then if Diligent Farmhand is in your graveyard, Muscle Burst effect counts it as a Muscle Burst. Muscle Burst was a, was a card that does not see play in uh, Commander. But with Marin, this is nice because you can sacrifice to go get lands and then put it right back into play. Especially a Rampant Growth every turn. Alright, so then we moved on to turn two. I was finally able to play something. I played a Birds of Paradise. Birds of Paradise is one green for a zero-one bird with flying and taps for any color of mana. The Scorpion God played Ristic Study, which is two and a blue for an enchantment that says, whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one. It's a May, so every time a player casts a spell, the controller of Ristic Study is like, did you pay one for that? Did you pay one for that? Did you pay one for that? Uh, they have to do it every time. So uh, it's kind of annoying, but it's one of those like it's not our responsibility to remind you that we paid one or not paid one. But uh, it's a really good card. All right, so it gets around, and the Shroom player decided to eye gouge my poor Birds of Paradise. Eye gouge is one black for an instant that says. Target creature gets neg one, neg one until end of turn, and if it's a Cyclops, destroy it. Either way, my poor bird was destroyed even though it wasn't a Cyclops. 
Unfortunately, that was my only source of blue for almost the entire game. So I uh, pretty much sat out the game for the rest of the turn. I mean, I still got to do things, as you'll see, but I didn't get to play my commander. All right, so now we're moving on to turn three. Uh, I went first. I played a second red, which then let me cast Archetype of Aggression, which is one and two red for a 3-2 Enchantment Human Warrior. Creatures I control have trample, and creatures my opponents control lose trample and can't have trample. The Scorpion God player then played a Dark Steel Ingot, which is three mana for an indestructible artifact that taps for any color. He then played Lord of the Accursed, which is two and a black for a 2-3 zombie that says other zombies you control get plus one plus one, and one and a black tap all zombies gain menace until end of turn. Menace is they have to be blocked by two or more creatures. The Marin player then played a Mana Vault, which is one mana for an artifact that does not untap during untap step unless you pay four, and then uh, taps for three mana. If it's still tapped during your upkeep, you lose a life. Uh, he then used the mana to play his commander, which was Marin of Clan Neltoth. And then at the end of the turn, the Sharoon player played Limdul's Vault. For a blue and a black, you get an instant that says, look at the top five cards of your library. As many times as you choose, you may pay one life to put those cards on the bottom of your library in any order, then look at the top five cards of your library. Then you shuffle your library and put the last card you looked at this way on top of your library uh, in any order. Basically, you look at the top five until you decide to keep a pair of set of five, set those aside, shuffle the rest of your library, and then put those cards back on top in any order. It's actually really nice, uh, especially in Commander when you've got a whole bunch of life that you can just throw at things. Alright, so now we moved in. Um, all I had was my archetype, so I decided to swing at the Shroom player who killed my poor bird earlier because he had nothing in play. Uh, which is pretty much all I had to do this poor game. Anyway, so the Scorpion God player decides to play Sadisi Undead Vizier, which is 3 and 2 black for a 4-6 legendary zombie naga with death touch and exploit, which says when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. And when Sadisi Undead Vizier exploits a creature, you may search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Basically, it kills a creature in order to tutor. <coughs> the... Um, the Marin player didn't have a response to this, but the Sharoon player decided to play a Mystical Tutor for one blue for an instant that says search your library for an instant or sorcery card. View that card, then put it on top of your library. He got Mana Severance, which is one and a blue for a sorcery that says search your library for any number of land cards and remove them from the game, then shuffle your library. So he drew that, and he did that at the end of the turn of the Marin player's turn. So then... He draws the Mana Severance, and then he decides to transmute his a Demur uh, Machinations. So it's two and a black for a card that usually says, look at the top three cards of the target player's library, remove any number of those cards from the game, and then put the rest back in any order. However, for one and two black, you can transmute, which says discard this card, search your library for a card with the same converted mana cost, and reveal it and put it in your hand. So what he did was he went and got Under City Informer, which is two and a black for a 2-3 human rogue with one and sacrifice a creature. Target player reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a land card, then puts those cards into his or her graveyard. Uh, apparently it was a combo, so the player was going to use Mana Severance to remove all of his lands, 
used the Undercity Informer to mill himself, and then he had a whole bunch of recursion for his graveyard. Uh, unfortunately, we never made it that far, because on turn 5, the Scarab God player decided to play Micaeus, the Unhallowed. Now, Micaeus is a legendary zombie cleric for 3 black, black, black. He gets a 5-5 five, five with Intimidate. Whenever a human deals damage to you, destroy it. And other non-human creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1, and have Undying. Undying is whenever a creature with Undying dies, if it had... No plus one plus one counters on it. Returns to the battlefield under its owner's control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Marin then played a Don Treader Elk, which is one in a black, or one in a green, for a 2 2 elk that says pay one green, sacrifice the elk, search your library for a basic land card, and put it on the battlefield tapped. So it seems like he was just playing a whole bunch of different ramp creatures. Uh, and then, of course, he played Grave Pact, which is one black, sorry, one and three black. For an enchantment that says, whenever a creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each other player sacrifices a creature. So he sacrifices his elk to go and get land, and then everyone else also has a sacrifice creature. Unfortunately, all I had was my poor uh, archetype of aggression, so I lost that. Uh, the Scorpion God player decided to sacrifice his CDC, uh, which still left him with Micaeus. Which led to our downfall because then on his next turn he played Triskelion. Triskelion is six mana for a one-one artifact construct, which says Triskelion enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. Then you can remove a plus one plus one counter from Triskelion to deal one damage to target creature or player. So it comes into play with three plus one plus one counters. You remove two to deal damage wherever you want. That you use that last one to kill itself. Then. Micaeus brings it back into play with an additional plus one plus encounters, and you just repeat the process until everyone dies. Um, it's called Mike and Trike. It's a very popular combo in anything that can run black and run Micaeus. Uh, unfortunately, that means I lost. And because we were going in turn order, I took last because... Uh, no, no, I would have taken second. Because turn order, the people die. And it didn't matter. Um, but that was that round. Alright, so do you guys remember who the pairings were? Ready for the winners? Alright, so Gisela won her pod, Carador won his pod, and Marath won the other pod. Alright, so let's go ahead and move on to the last round. So, in the last round, my Animar was paired up against the Carador, Marath, and Erebos. The next pod was General Tazri. The Scarab God, Gisela, and Atraxa. Pod 3 was the Scarab God, Teriel, Sharum, and Marin. And then the last pod was Voril, the Scarab God, Sachi, Yidris, and Sen Triblets. Alright, so keep these pods in mind. Let me know who you think won each of those pods at the end of this. And then you'll see if you're right or not. Alright, so let's get right into the game. So, the first thing that got played was a Birds of Paradise. Unfortunately, it was not my Birds of Paradise. It was played by the Marath player. Now, the Marath player played Birds of Paradise, which is the only thing played on turn one. Turn two, again, the Marath player is the only one who played anything. He played Cryptolith Rite, which is one in a green for an enchantment that says, Creature you control, all tap for any color of mana you want. He also played Hardened Scales, which is one green for an enchantment that says, 
If one or more plus one plus one counters would be placed onto a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are placed onto it instead. So if it, something would get one, it would get two. Conversely, if it would get four, it would only get five instead of doubled. So it it's still nice, especially with a captain like Morath. So that was the only thing that's played on turn two. Turn three, finally some other stuff happens. Morath went into play, came into play with four plus one plus one counters, because it normally came into play with three. And then I played my Animar. And that was turn three. Turn four was another slower turn. The Morath player decided to play a Johnny Vengeant, which is a Planeswalker for two, a red, and a white. He comes into play with three loyalty counters. Uh, his plus one ability is target permanent doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Minus two is a Johnny Vengeant deals three damage to target creature or player, and you gain three life. Then minus seven, destroy all lands target player controls. He decided to tap down my poor tower uh, command tower. So he locked out one of my manas, which kind of slowed me down. means I didn't get to play anything that turn. But... <sighs> my poor command tower. Anyway, uh, the other card that got played was the Erebos God of the Dead, which was the three and a black for the five seven legendary enchantment god indestructible. Uh, opponents can't gain life. Yada, yada, yada. All right, and that was turn four. All right, so we move on to turn five. Two players still not doing anything. Carador, not really doing much. I'm limited because I lost my command tower. Um, but Marath, he's still going strong. He plays another Planeswalker. This time he plays Domri Raid, which is one, a green and a red for a three loyalty Planeswalker with plus one. Look at the top card of your library. If it is a creature card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. Minus two, target creature you control fights another target creature. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control have double strike, trample, hexproof, and haste. Uh, really nice if you can get that guy ulted. All right, so and then of course he's got hardened scale, so he just makes his Morath uh, bigger. The Erebos player plays increasing ambition, which is four and a black for a sorcery. Search your library for a card, reveal it, um, then put it into your hand. If Increasing Ambition was cast from your graveyard, search your library for two cards and reveal them and put them in your hand. Then shuffle your library. And it has flashback for seven. And in black. Basically, it's a demonic tutor for five. Then if you cast it from your graveyard for eight, it's two demonic tutors. Um, Alright, so... At the... End of my turn... So at the end of my turn, which was the last, I was the last player to go in turn five. The Marath player makes a bunch of tokens with his, uh, his Marath, so he pays one, removes removes the plus one bonus counter to put a 1-1 one, one elemental into play. So he does a bunch of that, depending on how much mana he plays. And then just passes the turn. Uh, the Carador player plays Necropotence, which is three black for an enchantment that says skip your draw step. And whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. And you can pay one life to exile the top card of your library face down. Then you put that card into your hand at the beginning of your next end step. So it, this is usually a combo piece that people use to dig really quickly through your deck. Because uh, with Commander, you start at 40 life. So you've got a whole bunch of life to burn. Uh, in regular, it's it's less useful since you only start with 20 life. But again, Commander, you start with 40 life. That's a big resource to play with. Uh, he only drew three cards, though, so I wasn't quite sure what he was doing. But then Erebor's played 
Thief of Blood. Four and two black for a 1-1 uh, vampire with flying that says, As Thief of Blood enters the battlefield, remove all counters from all permanents. Thief of Blood enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each counter removed this way. He nails both Planeswalkers and Marath. So he was able to get 17 plus one, plus one counters on this huge vampire. Uh, now, fortunately, at this point, I hadn't cast... I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, I didn't have any plus one, plus one counters to lose from Animar because I hadn't been able to play anything yet. But I was finally able to play something at the end of the Erebos player's turn. I flashed in Yeva, Nature's Herald, which is two and two green for a 4-4 four, four legendary elf shaman with flash. So I was able to cast it at instant speed. That then gives all of my green creatures flash. Then it moved on to my turn. I played the Sandstone Oracle again, which is seven mana for the 4-4 four, four Sphinx with flying. That lets me draw cards equal to the difference between my hand and somebody else's hand. Um, Necropotence player had a full hand at this point, so I was able to draw a few cards. Most importantly, though, it gave me a blocker for that 1818 Thief of Blood. Woo! Alright, so moving on to turn seven. Uh, Morath replays Morath. Uh, Carador plays Vidalcan Ori, which is four mana for an artifact that says you may cast non land cards as though they had flash. So it gives all of his spells flash. The. Erebos player then re, uh, recast the Increasing Ambition from the graveyard. So remember, it was seven and a black to go search your library for two cards. The card he then plays is Extra Planar Lens, which is three mana for an artifact that says in print. When Extra Planar Lens enters the battlefield, you may remove target land you control from the game. And then whenever a land with the same name as the imprinted card is tapped for mana, it adds one mana, uh, an additional mana to the banner pool. Now, he used snow-covered swamps, so that only his swamps, because hardly anyone else plays snow-covered lands, so only his snow-covered swamps would tap for additional mana, which is a pretty good theory. Now, the next turn, I played a couple of creatures. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really matter, because the Morath player, he made a bunch of tokens. Uh, Erebos player, or not the Erebos player, the Carador player... I think he had one creature in play. The big thing is that the Erebos player then decided to play Decree of Pain, which is six and two black for a sorcery that destroys all creatures that can't regenerate, and you draw a card for each creature destroyed this way. It also has Cycling for three and two black, which uh, which means you can discard it for that amount of mana, draw a card, and when you cycle it, all creatures get next to deck two. But that's not the point. The point is he killed all the creatures, drew 22 cards. He played another card that let him put most of his hand into the graveyard. I don't remember what that card is. I forgot to write it down. I'm sorry. Um, but the big thing is that he then played Living Death. Now, Living Death is three and two black for a sorcery that says each player exiles all creatures from their graveyard. Then they sacrifice all creatures they control. Then they put all the exiled cards onto the battlefield. So basically it swaps everything in play and everything in the graveyard just swaps places. Uh, unfortunately, he had Micaeus and Triskelion in the graveyard in, already from when he discarded that giant hand. Um, as you recall, it's an infinite damage combo. And unfortunately, that meant I lost. Poor Animar didn't get to do much this, this week. It was still a lot of fun, though. I had a great time. <sighs> 
so there were 17 people. I got to introduce some new people to the games. And more importantly, they all had fun. And, and that's what I like to see. I like people having fun, even if they're not winning games. I know I had fun. Yeah, even those games, I didn't get to do much. I, I love Commander. It's just a great format. Anyway, so do you remember the other three pods? Remember who wins? Obviously, the Scarab God won. Then the Scarab God won. So both Scarab God um, won their game, except for the one where Voril won. So two out of three Scarab Gods won their round. Uh, for that final round. I ended up coming in fourth place that week. It was still a lot of fun. Everyone else had fun. And I hope you all had fun uh, listening in and watching here on YouTube. If you enjoyed, please leave a comment. Uh, subscribe so you can see my videos. Let me know what you liked about the video, what you didn't like about the video, how I can make these better. And for you the w watching or listening, please let me know I can improve these to make these a better experience for everyone involved. Thank you for listening and have a great day.